ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Auto Central, South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Minnie, and I'm joined by none other than the Wandile Sishi. The one and only, the one, one and only, only in the answer. house, literally in my house today. So Exactly. Yeah. You might be wondering why are we not in our studio today? And uh, and the reason is, is because uh, I got um, a little bit sick over the last couple of days. And um, yeah. I didn't want to take the risk that uh, anybody else would get infected from my, whatever I had. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just don't know if it's uh, the Rona. So yeah, of course, but you're getting better. It's not the, uh, yeah, it's, it's not the Rona. I don't think it's the Rona. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a good precaution to take. So, uh, so we've decided to do the show virtually. Fortunately, we've been doing this for a year and a half, so we know how to do it now. Yeah. Lots of practice. Practice right. makes perfect, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what do you, uh, what do you have in source here? So today we, uh, we're going to talk about self-driving cars. We're calling this a self-driving episode and, uh, um, uh, we're going to talk everything on screen, autonomous cars, levels, uh, six levels of vehicle autonomy. We're going to explain that and, uh, uh, what cars fit into each autonomous level. Uh, what does it mean? What does automation mean for car fans and what are the challenges? Yep. So, uh, so getting right into it, Wendy, what do you think about self-driving or autonomous cars? Do you, are you pro it against it? Um, so my, my relationship with autonomous cars actually goes back to my love of cars in the first place, um, in the form of a black, uh, Trans Am Pontiac, um, oh. that was named Kit. So yeah, the Knight Rider. And that was my first, you know, that, that's what I thought cars were. So, um, you know, autonomous cars, I think I didn't know was a thing then. I just thought it was just like this fantasy thing. And it's really cool to see that it's happening now. Um, so yeah, that's where it began. I'm not necessarily for it or against it. I just think that it's something that is happening, um, which I thought was really cool. And I want to see where it goes. I'm, I'm not sure about you. What, what are your kind of, are you pro self-driving? Are you against it? Is there uh, like a... So I don't think that, uh, um, I don't think that driving a car is going to go away for another half a, half a century. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm definitely not for giving up the driver's seat. Um, um yeah. and, and, and I think there's a, I think there's a subtle difference in, uh, in, in, in the nuanced, like, place that self-driving fits into. You know, when people think about driving, they think about driving on a windy road on a cool summer's day, yeah. uh, top down. Exactly. Um, you know, think, they think about self-driving, uh, not about driving a car in that, in that particular vein. Um, whereas who enjoys sitting in traffic? Who enjoys bumper to bumper? A 45 minute commute every single morning where, you know, you're not really going more than 30, 40 Ks an hour. So, so, so in that context, I think self-driving is, uh, is, is, is great. And then, and then when you do go on that long, boring trip from Joburg to Durban or Joburg to Cape yep. Town and you're on the N1, there's a place like, for yeah. self-driving again. But when you're on the windy roads up Sani Pass or, you know, um, the Toys Clove Pass, uh, do yeah. you really want to be in self-driving mode? That's the thing, right? I think, um, a lot of, you know, people who are against self-driving, you know, are under this impression that it's, it's happening now. And I think it is definitely progressing now, but it's not happening now. Um, there's still a lot of things that need to happen in terms of, um, the technology in cars to get to a point where we just in this futuristic world where things are just driving themselves. 
Um, but I think driving for the most part in terms of being in control of the vehicle is still going to be with us for quite some time, quite some time. Well, I mean, um, you, you like, let, let's get into that particular distinction between what is a self-driving car <clears throat> before we get into the levels of self-driving. What is a self-driving car and what is driver assistance? Because there's two different pieces of technology out there. And I like to describe driver assistance as mm-hmm. something in the car that is reactive. Exactly. It doesn't mean that reactive isn't in a self-driving car, but reactive. So for instance, anti-collision braking, that's a reactive driver assistance thing. Yeah. Uh, lane so- keeping, it's reactive. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I think drive the vehicle. Well, besides drive the vehicle, I think the world of autonomous cars or self-driving vehicles, um, if you think about it, is more predictive. Yeah, I mean, it will. It, I think it, it's even greater than predictive. I think it's it's reactive, it's active, it's predictive, and it's it's safe. Like it's it's trying to find the best route routes for you so it's it's giving you a mobility experience more than a driving experience and that's what i think a lot of consumers are focused on and that's why a lot of oems are moving in the direction of giving a mobility experience that is you know it's not necessarily driving but it it takes you to your destination in the most sort of comfortable way where you can do more than just one thing um and you know when you're going long distances that's where like you're saying that's where this technology really has a some legs essentially exactly and uh and i and i and i think uh uh you know the the difference between driver assistance aids driver assistance technology and self-driving has one more um very important uh little ingredient that I think mm-hmm. unless this ingredient exists, and I think this ingredient is actually going to come before self-driving, like full autonomy takes over. And that ingredient is the Internet of Things, where cars talk to cars. Cars yeah. talk to traffic lights. Because if you can imagine being able to predict what everything around you is going to do, the deep learning yeah. AI that uh, that Tesla is flouted to uh, um uh, to be building into their cars. Isn't it a lot easier and safer if your car knows what the intention of another car is by talking to it rather than looking at an image and trying to predict where it's going to go, or what it's going to do? Well, that's the, that's the angle. But I think that's the, the kind of the challenge that the OEMs are facing is that not all cars on the roads are there. You know, we're in a scenario now where there's a self-driving car and there's my car and there's one who's, you know, controlling everything. And that's where the internet of things in terms of not just, you know, just sort of co- like communicating, but understanding what's going to be, ha- what's, what's going to happen. What am I most likely to do in a scenario? Um, by reading my patterns of driving. And I think that's where, you know, sort of car companies are trying to, you know, get through because so many OEMs and so many cars on the, on the, on the road are still very human driven, which is very unpredictable. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The car, the, the, the humble car was, uh, was designed in the late 1800s. The first car on the road, which was by mm. Mr. Benz actually, uh, was yeah. in the late 1800s, right? Um, and 
it's, it's like so, so. So here's my theory about how long this will take. Because let's talk about how long it will take uh, uh, to get to autonomous vehicles or self-driving. The, I think the first um, reality is uh, let's look at history. How long did it take to get rid of horses? Not get rid of horses. Let's. Uh, how long did it take for horses to not be on the roads as a form of commute? Now we're not talking about Cape Town and the horse-drawn carriages that we see around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I had to take a guess, I mean, I'm, t- I'm about 120 years since the very first car, um, before no, it was the norm to not have a horse on the road. It, it was a while. No, it wasn't 120 years. I mean, 120 years to take us till today. Um, it's, uh, it's from the 1800s. Well, late 1800s, the first cars. I'm talking about when, when cars were really mainstream, right? Which yeah. was, which was only in the, like, early 1900s. I mean, when, when. Yeah, 1920s, uh, 1918, you know, not, not very long into, not very long ago, basically. Let's check. First, uh, yeah. So, uh, Carl Benz, 1886, uh, patented the first motor wagon. Benz patented motor wagon. Exactly. And cars yeah. became widely available in the early 20th century. Okay. So the Model T was 1908. Okay, and still okay. horse-drawn so, yeah. carriages were were around. So, so while it was designed and invented in 1886, it wasn't really like it wasn't on the road. Yeah. I mean, when was when, when was the electric car in the last two decades really kind of uh, you know start? It started in the early 2000s. We're only seeing it now. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. so so if, if we continue the the, the comparison, um, horses took 10 years before the number of cars on the road exceeded the number of horses on the road. Took 10 exactly. Years. Okay. And there were only a billion people on the planet in the early 1900s. Now there are seven and a half yeah. billion. Okay. So, so it's going to take longer in our world. So that's the first kind of like data point that I, I think is something to look at. It then took another 10 years. So it took 20 years in total before horses were entirely eradicated off the roads. Not eradicated, yeah. but uh, they were off the roads. Okay, so 20 years. So fast forward to 2021, the place we find ourselves, right? Let's first talk about kind of electric vehicles. Okay. How long do you think it's going to take? Let's use South African numbers. How long do you think it's going to take in South Africa Yeah. before there are no ICE vehicles? I would say about... Okay, wait, we have a deadline. So I think that's the first thing to kind of nurture is we do have a deadline where it's going to be very difficult for us to not be in a world where there's only electric vehicles. So with consumers also saying in the EV report, the, the Water Trader EV reports, that they're looking to buy an EV in about five years, I would give it about another five years after that. So 10 years before, you know, we all sort of moving in an electric uh, sort of environments. Yeah, we're moving in an electric environment, but, 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 but here's the numbers, right? There are about 10, 11 million cars in South Africa's car park, right? Yeah. There are 10, 10 million, 10, 11 million vehicles in South Africa's car park, right? We feed into the car market every year. We feed into the car market via the new car sales. Yeah. Call it, call it what? A uh, couple of hundred thousand. Definitely, yeah. Okay, a couple of hundred thousand cars, right? So for ease of calculation, let's call the car park 10 million cars and let's say that there's 500,000 new cars coming into the market every year. Okay, let's just assume that for a second. How long will it take at 500,000 cars a year to replace the 10 million at at 500,000 cars a year? 
About five years, right? But I mean, no, that's still it's going to take twenty years. Well, if it's every two years, you're getting a million cars. So yeah, actually, yeah, twenty years, exactly that. My math was was horrendous there, but yeah, twenty years. It's going to take twenty years, right? Okay, so that is exactly what happened with horses. It took about ten years to get to over fifty percent. In our case, it'll mm. take ten years to get over fifty. This is if all cars produced tomorrow are electric cars. Whereas we know that that's not the case. So now you've got to kind of say, okay, so when will all cars produced be electric cars? 2030, 2035. Okay. Yeah. So go 10 years after 2030, 2040, maybe 2045. Another 10 years before all cars are electric, 2050, 2055. Yeah, but there's, there's one thing that you're not considering there is the, which is, you know, we're about to get into it, but the fact that right now, Basically, the most accessible um, forward-thinking car, I guess, in terms of level autonomy, is level three. Um, so, if we're taking, you know, th- that into consideration, the cars that are going to be coming in ten years' time are going to be level, at the bare minimum, level three. Okay, so now, how long before all cars on the road are fully autonomous? If you're saying that in the next ten years, all cars will have at least level four or five autonomy, okay? Let's say they all yeah. got. To, let's say all cars uh, uh, have uh, that come out have level five autonomy, and you saying that uh, that is in ten years' time, right? We've just done the math. Level three. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's going to be level five within the next ten years. Every single car on the road. No, no. Every, I think it's a stretch. Every car. Produced, every new car. Every new car produced. Yeah. Okay. So if now you're adding another ten years, how long is it going to take before every car is fully autonomous? Twenty sixty five. Yeah, 20, yeah, about 2060 around there. But I think you're giving people a little bit too little credit. Oh, why? I think people like new things, specifically in South Africa. We've seen it. People like flash. People like new. People like convenience. Um, we saw it with the fact that, you know, um, globally automatic is kind of, you know, where the world's going. Obviously, South Africa, yeah, we, we kind of slow on that. But if everyone's forcing us to go in that direction, I think we'll be there. A little bit sooner. But the, the problem isn't getting there. The problem is uh, switching out the current vehicles on the road. That's where the challenge is. And when I sat back and thought about the question, like when will EVs be 100% penetration? When will fully autonomous uh, uh, self-driving vehicles have 100% penetration? I'm afraid that's at the end of my lifetime. We shall see. I mean, it, you know, I, I think um, it's kind of – Tears more is law. Um, things are accelerating two times quicker than we think. You know, I, I hope it happens uh, quicker because I want to. I want to be around to see it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it's 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 not as fast as we think. You know, we think oh, electric vehicles is binary. Next week, I don't want a freaking electric vehicle. It's going to yeah. take another twenty years after we stop producing ice, and at yeah. the moment we're still yeah. producing ice. That's true. Okay. That's true. So so That's then true. so then when is autonomous vehicles going to be on the road? It's going to take a little bit longer because we're not there yet. So let's explain the 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 the, the different levels of autonomy. What what is level zero? Because there's six levels, right? So, if you count level zero as one of the levels. Yeah, if if you count level zero, um, then there's six levels. But level zero, uh, by definition, is there's no automation. So basically, the human is controlling brakes, acceleration, and is essentially negotiating what happens in traffic uh, with uh, kind of the environment. That's where we. Most cars, at least, are sitting today. Um, well, I, I mean, um, I like to think I like to think of level zero as 
the car cannot give inputs for you at all. You at have all. to give you all are inputs. controlling everything. Yeah. Yes. If it turns left, you are the reason why it's turning left. Um, you or the environment is, is kind of forcing you in the direction of, of, of where the car is going. You complete control, um, because of how you interpreting the environment and how you're reacting, essentially. Okay. So then what's level one? Level one is basically the driver assistance level. So under these conditions, uh, the car can control either the steering or the vehicle speed, but not both together. And I think that's kind of the important thing is, yeah, it can control the steering, but it can't also control the speed as well. So that's where you are monitoring what's going on pretty much the entire time. So a single, um, single automated system is what you're saying. Yeah. So an example of this would be cruise control. Um, is a single automated system which controls at the very bare minimum, how much speed you're going, but you're still steering, you're still controlling how things are moving. Okay. Then we go from level one to level two. What is level two? Level two is partial automation. At this, at this point, basically the vehicle can steer, accelerate and brake. So it can do, it can certain, do multiple things. Exactly. So more than two, um, up to about three. But it's very important to note that this is in certain circumstances. So at this point, the car is not necessarily reading the environment, but it's essentially getting a set of rules or a set of instructions. Um, and it's using those consistently, regardless of if there's a wall or if there's a person or if there's another car or if it's, you know, the speed needs to come down. It's basically just taking a set of rules. So it's reactive. So level two is about the car being reactive. Whereas level yeah. one, there's no reaction. Because no. the way I understand level one is it's driver assistance. So you can put cruise control on, but it it doesn't have the follow me. Like yeah, car, but it's still, it's, still, it's still in level two. The driver still needs to perform some, you know, tactical uh, maneuvers in traffic. Yes. So just changing lanes or scanning for any hazards. The car is not doing anything at that point. And then level two, the car can give inputs. Exactly. So car can exactly that. Car can react. So, uh, you know, lane keeping. Car bumps you into the lane. Uh, the steering wheel uh, turns for you. Uh, uh, in terms of cruise control, uh, if the car in front of you slows down, your car slows down. There's a reaction there. So, so that's how I understand level two is that it's got partial driving capabilities to give inputs, but the driver still has to keep your hands on the steering wheel and, uh, uh, and, 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 and realize that the car can't read every situation. Exactly. A great example of this or a popular example of this is Tesla's autopilots is basically, I'll say a 2.5, but it's considered, um, a, a level two sort of autonomy, uh, vehicle. Um, they're obviously trialing many things right now and there's new software updates, which is, you know, testing out level three automation. Um, but there's laws that are in place in different countries, which kind of, you know, stop different automakers from making this a mass, you know, mass produced or mass consumed products. Well, let's talk, um, let's, let, let's talk about the regulation for a second. So, um, you know, where do you think, uh, technology in cars, electric vehicles, um, I think that's a mute point because it's already kind of, uh, uh, allowed. Um, but autonomous vehicles and self-driving, like what is the hindrance? Uh, is the, is the, is the technology going to move faster than the regulation? I think that regulation is the thing that's going to get in the way of this. It's going to cause that decade, two decade delay. 
Well, we, we, we already seen that, like, you know, right now. Tesla's saying that they basically have level five automation, but the only thing that's stopping them is one regulation and two mass production. You know, once enough cars are reading and, and speaking to each other, that theory of Internet of Things, that's going to be the biggest barrier between my Tesla and your BMW or your Mercedes Benz sort of being in a world where there's level five altogether. They need to all kind of sync and speak to each other before we get to a point um, where everything's automated. And, you know, the governments, governments are there to sort of regulate that and make sure that no one's going further than the rest. We all have to move at the same pace, but it's stopping the growth and the adoption, unfortunately. Okay. So then we get to level three, right? Level three. So yeah, level that's... three is kind of like a dumb level, if you ask me. Well, that's where the most um, autonomous car is today in terms of mass production. I'm not talking about services, but, you know, in terms of you going to the, the dealership and buying a car, that's where we sit now where it's like, I want to do more. I really want to do more because my car is able to do more, but I'm being forced to not do more. So so, so the description of level three is really just um, slightly up from level two, which is the car can detect and maybe exactly. predict to a certain degree its environment. It's exactly that. It's mon- Now the car is, <laughs> I, I want to say sentient there, but it's not sentient. No, it's it's not really sentient. just, <laughs> it's really just monitoring the environment that it's in, um, and deciding. Um, it's, it's starting to decide what's the best case scenario. But you know, computers, um, are not always the best at deciding what's best. And that's, uh, that's where AI and learning comes into, into play in terms of autonomy. So, so manufacturers are now trying to jump from level two to level four and skipping level three because, level, like I said, level three is kind of like a, it's a dumb level because you're not, it's, it's like being, it's like being kind of pregnant. You know, you, you, you're not quite a self-driving car, although the car mm. is scanning the environment and predicting things, but you're not yeah. quite level two either, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of a, a gray area. So, so OEMs are trying to skip level three and go straight from level two to level four, which is now defined as high driving automation. What is your take on level four? So level four is technically where the car is, I would say pretty much entirely autonomous, except for the point that the steering wheel and the pedals are still there. Um, human inputs are still very much possible. Um, and it's kind of limited purely by things like really poor weather, um, or really unusual environments such as off-roading where the human can still sort of, um, read the situation a little bit better based on what's happening. But the car ultimately can, um, do, you know, everything that a level five can do. Um, it's just that the, the small nuances where it's reading, um, it's almost predicting what, what could potentially happen and adjusting how the, the car works in that environment. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at a couple of examples of level four cars. So Waymo's, uh, Google's Waymo's, uh, um, uh, self-driving cars and, uh, and taxis are an example of level four. And the reason is, is because level four cars can only operate in a certain geographic area called geofencing. Exactly. They can only operate in a certain geographic area and they geofence. They can't go out of that area and the roads are really mapped really, really well. So, uh, so mm. those, those exist in, uh, in the world today and, and Waymo is an example of that. Um, uh, um, 
There's, uh, and uh, just, just to ask that they geofence because it's the safest thing or the least likelihood of a freak accident happening. Um, is that's why they geofence them. But in terms of driving in those areas, they come, they're completely autonomous. Um, but you know, we can't really say it's level five if it can't do everything. Well, I think, um, I, I think level five autonomy, let's get onto the definition of level five autonomy. So they don't require human attention at all. Whereas level four, the car still, although it can scan and predict its environment, um, it still can't be left hands off entirely until you get to level five, which is then, uh, you don't need the steering wheel. You don't need the brake pedals or accelerator. And, uh, it's free of geofencing and, um, mm-hmm. and doesn't need any human intervention at all. Yeah. This is the point where we, we consider as driverless, um, where it's completely, I wouldn't say as, as smart as a human, but it's reading more information that a human could potentially read in a scenario. Um, it's got more sensors than a human can potentially do in, at, at one point and it can react accordingly to what's happening. Um, usually you just set a destination here and the car just does the rest um, and it can read anything that can happen between point A and point B. Um, that's what driverless is, full well, automation. So, so, so I would say that Another, another a factor of, uh, of level five that is going to make it kind of mainstream. And the difference between level four and level five right now is the internet of things. Yes. Waymo's cars talk to each other. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so, so one Waymo car will talk to the other and they'll know where they are in relation, but they can't talk to other things, other cars, exactly. which I think is, I think that internet of things and connected cars, are a prerequisite for full self-driving. I have a question. I have a question with regards to how is this going to be impacting the everyday driver? What if you want to still be in control? Um, in a world where we are level five driving, can a, you know, a person still, you know, sort of control and drive and have a driving experience or here we need everyone to be in a driverless situation? Um, Okay, so I mean, my, my sense to the answer to that question is uh, is is quite simple. It's going to be a very very long time before the steering wheel disappears. I, mm. I would say, you know, at the end of our lifetime, um, potentially we will have mainstream. Every single car doesn't have a steering wheel. Yes, you're going to have cars that don't have steering wheels on the road, but it's going to be by choice of that particular consumer. So I think as a consumer, you're going to have a lot of choice for the next couple of decades. You know, you know yeah. ice vehicle, if you Level want, f- uh, if you want to buy a second hand one, um, you know, you could have a, a level five car with, uh, with the, with the controls potentially and have the, have the ability to turn those controls off. I was about to say the exact same thing. I think vehicles are going to get to a point where they are level five, but uh, they're going to, or OEM specifically, are going to stick with the level four sort of format where you have a steering wheel and some pedals if the you know the driver wants to sort of take control. Yeah, which I think is a safe place to be. I think it's um, where we want to be, and um, all we have to do then is just regulate what are the conditions for someone to take over the driving experience um and then you have that if it's a racetrack for instance yeah go ahead and and take over so let's talk Um, about the let's talk about the squishy humans for a second i mean the bug in the system unfortunately mm -hmm. is the human being that's the the bug in the system 
And we've been trying to eradicate that bug for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, uh, by creating driver assistance um, uh, technology. But I would argue that the driver assistance technology is actually making humans worse drivers, not better drivers. Um, in the short term, definitely, yes. But, I mean, the end goal is to have the human not drive at all. Mm. So, by definition, that's, that's what's going to happen. If you have less practice or play um, and less experience in a scenario where you have to maneuver and, you know, avoid something, then, yes, people are going to get, I guess, less experienced in, in what to do in exactly. all scenarios. So now you, now you get to a world of, of fully automated, fully self-driving cars and you want to switch the thing off, right? Now it's, you're going to have more to, dangerous. It might be more dangerous because you've lost the ability to, uh, to really apply that particular technique, uh, called driving. Um, yeah, you know, because, because we're all got these driver assistance aids. Another, another problem before we, we wrap up is, uh, uh, that standing in the way of fully self-driving is road conditions, traffic conditions, yeah. you know, uh, uh, accident liability. Let's talk about insurance for a second. Who takes on the insurance in the self-driving world? Um, so that's the thing. I mean, Tesla's having that, that problem right now is who takes liability for a scenario where the car is in autopilot and an accident occurs. Um, and it's simple. You know, they say you need to still be very much alert of what's going on so you can take control of that scenario. That's up to level four. If, well, I mean, in a scenario where, uh, it is a level four vehicle and you see there's a, a car in front of you, I think you still need to be, in control of the scenario in the sense that you can stop it, not just for your own safety, but for everybody else who's around you. Um, and I think an insurer will have to just kind of make rules or set of, uh, I, I guess, what's the chance of it happening um, and determine it based off those set of rules. But the human still needs to be alert with regards to what's going on to save them. It's in your best interest to, to be alert of what's going on and not just be a passenger Literally a passenger to, to the environment. Well, that, that's up to level four though. When you get to level five, you don't have the option of jamming on the brakes. In that scenario, I think, wow, that, that's, that's probably why we're never going to get to level five. I um, think we'll get to level five, but the whole world will change. I, I mean, I think insurance will largely go away. Um, roads will be a lot safer and manufacturers will take on the liability of insurance. That's what, I mean, look at what Tesla's doing. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I think that insurance will become something that doesn't necessarily exist. Specifically car insurance, we're speaking. Yeah. Yes, 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 um, yes. Other liability insurance will ex- probably exist. Uh, it depends on what happens in those environments. But, but car insurance could very much, consumer car insurance could very much go away because how can you be held liable for a decision you didn't make? Yeah, I think insurance will be not be, it won't be dependent on necessarily your vehicle or the vehicle controls and controlling of a vehicle, but rather more environmental, such as a hailstorm arrives. Um, I need to cash out so I can repay my paints. But in terms of an accident, no, nah, it will probably go away completely. I think I think that will happen. And before we wrap up, uh, I said that just now, but um, very interesting um, piece of research in the US, and that is uh, um, the the appetite for um, self driving vehicles. If equal to human uh, 
uh, accidents and and uh, uh, um, an error, if it's equal mm-hmm. to the level of a human, the take up is only um, in the thirty percent. So, yeah. so, so consumers will not take it up if it's just equal to what a human can do. It has to be better. And yeah. I think it has to and be it, better it, by an order of, you know, or a, or a factor of, you know, two times, two times better or three times better um, in order for consumers to actually want it. Because at the moment, if it's equal, they don't want it. Basically guarantee that I'll never ever crash and have a scenario where I have no control and the car just got me to the destination. Which tells me um, that we are more forgiving of humans than we are of machines. Humans have hearts, humans have souls, humans have emotions, machines don't. And I think forever and ever that's going to be, um, unless, unless you're in, like in a hospital and you need a doctor to do a heart transplant, uh, we're always going to be for a human versus, you know, a machine. Yeah, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, that brings us to the end of the show of self-driving cars and fully autonomous vehicles. See you next time.